Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you have given to us to gather in your house. Lord, to come closer to you one more time, to listen to you. Lord, speak to us, Lord. Be exalted in this place. Let it be only your words which will stand and not any man's words. God, forgive me. Throughout this week, whatever I've been through, Lord, all the sins that I've committed, Lord, forgive me. Lord, sanctify your word as your children. Come with expectation, Lord. Speak to each one of us, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us, Lord. Open our ears. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. This message is primarily for me and, uh, and then for the rest of us. The title of this message is Spirit-Filled Church or Just Another Church. So continuing from where we left from Sunday, so we looked at uh, people of Israel who had no clue when they were asked by Elijah the prophet. He asked them, if how long will you be wavering between two opinions? In 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 21, it says this, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, Not a word. This generation had no clue. They're clueless. They're a godless generation. They don't know what their history is. They are so caught up with convenient religion in Samaria where King Jeroboam installed a temple. He said, why do you go to Jerusalem? Why do you have to travel so much? We'll build a church, we'll build a temple here at Bethel. So they started going to Bethel and worshipping Baal, a godless generation without real God. They don't have any stand of their own, no opinion of their own. You know, the, the word that is used in the original language is sef, which, which means these people are wavering, walking with two crutches. That means Elijah is saying, you're harming yourself without uh, God, you know. You're, you're harming yourself. You're doing harm to yourself when you are not worshipping the real God. You know, this, this is a godless generation. And we are also a godless generation. In recent times, we've seen, you know, the mass molestation that has happened in one of the cities. 
and everybody is like they have their own point of view one says short clothes as the issue the other says they they drunk they drunk and the other still other say it's it's because of the western culture nobody wants to go to the source why people are behaving like this and the biggest joke is of this godless generation is they expect values from a bunch of corrupted and compromised individuals a godless generation which believes in no restriction no no restraints they say anything goes my life my way and what do you expect out of this people who live like that without any rules and restrictions a generation which doesn't want to believe in absolutes when it comes to god but expects absolute protect protection from men absolute behavior from men high standards from men a generation which pumps item songs objectifying women with barely any clothes infusing and intensifying lustful desires and expect men to behave like monks and these bollywood and hollywood celebrities who promote such movies they give lectures to us and during these times the real problem is this this generation has forgotten god there is no fear of god when when we say god they don't know what's happening what to talk about they look at each other as we've seen the verse says they answered him not a word this generation has forgotten god until someone arises and gives them some kind of evidence to stir up their faith once again in the next verse verse 24 says then you call on the name of your gods and i will call on the name of the lord and the god who answers by fire he is god so all the people answered and said it is well spoken and another version says all the people answered this sounds good that sounds good they swayed between options wait a minute is this the first time israel is witnessing this kind of face off the baal the god this god the canaanite storm god is supposedly life giving brings life giving rain to the land you know the when elijah prophesied that there won't be any rain this is a direct challenge to baal's credibility as a deity if israel's current generation i mean this generation knew its history they wouldn't have they would have sided with yahweh they would have said yes our god has done this before and he'll do it again but they don't know their history if israel at least realized it's been so many years 3 years since there is no rain and they are still kind of giving equal credibility to baal okay it sounds good 50 50 okay baal is god will worship him yahweh is god will worship him they are giving 50 50 chance this could this could also be god they are not even realizing their immediate their present 
clueless, illogical and unreasonable generation. The only thing these people are good at, are quick at their temper, quick to pick up fights and quarrels. You know, on Sundays we are saints, we are so joyful, long-suffering, kind, compassionate. Nothing seems to move us or shake us, you know. Even if you insult us, insult you, you put a smile on your face. That's only on Sunday. When you go back to your office or at your rooms, at your houses, boy, I don't think we can stand that. So as soon as we leave to our homes, we are full of our own self. Bhad mega self-control. You know? John 7.38 says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Where is this rivers of water? No, living water flowing. Is it? Is it really flowing in us? There's another kind of waters, if you will. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 14 says, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Other version says, it's like to release a flood. Beginning of, to start a conflict is to release a flood. You know what flood brings, right? Flood. Last year it brought devastation to Chennai. A lot of death, destruction and huge losses. So, so we have literally two options. Either we start flowing that living water or naturally the flood flood flows from us. Flood which causes destruction. How can we avoid starting this destruction? Opposite of conflict is peace, right? Opposite of this destruction, destructive flood is peace. So this flood, floods are how big are floods? Is it this room or this hall? It's huge, right? Huge. And God talks about this peace, which is enormous scale. We can look at Second Peter, first chapter, first chapter and verse two. Second Peter, chapter one, verse two. English. Yeah. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. This multiplied original word says plenty. When Jesus says harvest is plentiful, the same word is used here. It's, you know, when multiply, when multiplication, what, 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 what do you think about multiplication when, when we, when I say multiplication? Two, twos of two, two, twos of four, right? That's the first thing we learned and got stuck. We're stuck there. So, when God talks about grace and peace being multiplied, He's talking about enormous scale. It's a huge scale. Harvest is not done, you know, just uh, 500 square yards or whatever. It's it's huge acres, acres of land. 
So God is offering this grace and peace which is enormous and we are not even aware of that. So how do we get this grace and peace? Sounds good, right? Sounds good. Sounds simple. It says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God of God and Jesus our Lord. Yes, everybody believes that Jesus is our Lord, right? Everybody believes. But why do we not experience this kind of enormous peace in us? Enormous peace. An enormous grace. Why are only few experiencing this? It wouldn't be an understatement if I said we are naturally brewing with the thoughts of strife. So how do we get to experience this kind of peace? Because the original version is not just this statement alone. It, we, we, we kind of pick and choose our verses and, you know, just like the promise verses, you know, just, just stick to that. But we, we, we are supposed to look at the whole picture. So we'll look at the verses, uh, two and three from the, I, I'd, I'd like actually to, Look at from the, you know, the Greek version, but uh, since I can't read Greek, uh, we'll stick to Telugu, which is a little closer to Greek, and we'll try to understand uh, where we can get with this. So, the Telugu version says this. I'll, I'll give the English uh, translation as well. Tana mahimanu batiyu, gunate sayamanu batiyu, manalanu pilichana vani gurchana anubhava gnanamu moolamuga, Aina Daiva Shakti, Jivamunakunu, Bhaktikini, Kavalasina Vatanitini, Manaku Daichesi, Daichunandana, Devuni Gurchina Tiu, Manaprabhuaina Yesu Yesuna Gurchina Tiu Naina, Anubhavagnanamu Valana, Miku Krupayu Samadhanamu Vistarinchunugaka. So this grace and peace is an end product, end result of some steps. There are steps which are involved, certain steps which are involved to get this kind of enormous grace and peace. We'll, we'll look at the next slide, uh, which, which, uh, I've, I've just, uh, segregated that, uh, how we get to that grace and peace. Grace and peace is at the, the end result. We'll, we'll start looking at how the, the, that grace and peace flows. How we are supposed to get that grace and peace. The first part says, according to his glory, his excellent virtue. These are independent of us. These originate from God himself. These are outside of us. He is impartial. He is no respecter of persons. You know, it's, it's like the sun. Sun producing light continually and produces heat continually. One who goes out in the morning enjoys the warm weather. One who goes out during the heat of the noon experiences the wrath of the sun. Still others choose not to go out. Like our dear friend Julian Assange who's, who said he is sitting there 
not seen sin, sun since four years. Poor man. So we get to experience sun as we choose and the circumstances we allow ourselves to. So God's behavior does not change according to person. He is the same with everyone. He is impartial. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. But we experience Him the way we see Him. Like we have heard on Sunday. How do you hear and what you hear? So we have these constraints and within these constraints we choose to experience Him according to them. But His attitude towards us is the same. Our attitudes, each individual's attitudes are different. The next part. His divine power originating from the experiential knowledge of the one who has called us. His divine power originating from the experiential knowledge of the one who has called us. So unless unless we are called by him, we cannot experience this divine power. Unless we experience we have this experiential knowledge. We cannot have that divine power. Are you struggling with something? Are you expecting some kind of breakthrough? We have to ask ourselves, do we have that experiential knowledge of the one who has called us? Unless you have an online, unless you have an account with some bank, you cannot do an online transaction. So to, to start with, You'll need a account, a card or whatever. And based on the limit of your credit that you have, you, you can have the spend expenditure. So similarly, the way you have this experiential knowledge with God, you have the direct di- divine power that originates from that. And that, my friends, is going to take a while and an effort from our end. How much time do we spend? How much effort do we... Are we willing to spend towards gaining that incredible knowledge? It is up to us. And wait, it says experiential knowledge. The original word says epignosis. Epignosis means the first-hand experience. So do we have first-hand experience with God? So why, why did we come here all the way? from Elijah's uh, call to hear. We look at that. Psalm 106 verse 7 says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. God had brought them towards the sea and they have rebelled. It's, it's, it hasn't been a day since all the miracles that the Israelites have seen, they have started rebelling against God. These Israelites have a specific call of God. They have the experiential knowledge of God. They have seen His divine power. 
they have it all if there were one set of people who were supposed to experience this plentiful peace it was this this incredible grace and peace it was this set of people but they rebelled they got too familiar with god they started contempting started ignoring him the incredible power of god displayed for them was of no parallel first time in the history of egypt up until that time they thought it was pharaoh who controlled all the beings all the weather and everything but it, but that's a revelation for them and it was mind blowing but that didn't help much one miracle after another in a scale that is magnanimous astounding mind blo- mind boggling it was put to display for the whole world to see a whole sea turning to blood frogs filling the whole land sky lit up with fireworks that can make olympic ceremonies mere candlelight so out of 2 million people there could be absolutely no one absolutely no one who can blindly follow this set of people who are going to the promised land like mori says you know bachcha bachcha janta hai where is uh, what is where is black money israelite bachcha bachcha also knew who called them everybody knew who called them they knew who called them so his divine power through experiential knowledge of the one who called them they didn't experience that but at the red sea they did not remember his steadfast love and rebelled what is the steadfast love friends what is the steadfast love that the author is talking about the first born among all egyptians were put to death like we heard last january if you remember among the israelites also the first born was dead wait nobody was touched right who is this first born who is dead that's jesus christ he was put to death to spare the israelites god's first born was not spared so that you and i could be spared they did not remember the steadfast love and they rebelled against the most high they got too familiar and forgot his steadfast love they rebelled eventually you and i will also rebel unless we take take steps not to forget but actively remember his love if you love me jesus said obey my commands do you love him tonight friends with the visible pillar of god during the day and pillar of fire by night they still cast doubts over the puny egyptian army exodus chapter 13 verse 21 says this exodus chapter 13 verse 21 the presence of god never leave left them and the lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light 
so as to go by day and night. He never left them. He was always present with them. Like we were discussing the other day, this pillar of God is pillar of cloud is so high and so huge it would put the Egyptian pyramids mere toys. It's so huge. It's a pillar of God. It's, it's a magnanimous scale. It was there for them to see. Clearly. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. It's so visible, so tangible. The counsel of God, never leaving them. The pillar of cloud by day. And the love and care of God, keeping them warm as a pillar of fire by night. You know, what, what is happening here? Like, like we've heard last, last week, backgrounding and foregrounding. The Egyptian army, this 600 Egyptian soldiers, chosen chariot, charities, they have overshadowed these Israelites' eyes more than the magnanimous pillar of cloud, the presence of God Himself. I wonder whose hearts are much harder. Is the Egyptians' soldiers or the Israelites? They got too familiar with God. They have started ignoring God. Imagine for a moment what would God have been thinking. Children too familiar with parents. Wives too familiar with husbands. Congregation too familiar with leadership. The Bible says God deliberately brought them to a corner so that the children of Israel would not go back to Egypt in the event of war. There's a purpose why they were there, why they were cornered. Exodus chapter 13 verse 17 says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, God, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps... The people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God knows there is a short way. But He chose exactly opposite direction for them to go and be cornered at the sea so that they will not come back in the event of war. So God has a plan. So my friends, if you are stuck, if you are thinking you are cornered, if you're thinking you don't have any short way, there's a purpose. God is not using that shortcut or easy path. It's because there's a purpose. What do you, what do you do when you put when you are put in this kind of situation? When you're cornered, there's no way out. What do you speak? What do you cry? Imagine, imagine for for a moment. India is chasing, India is playing cricket and chasing. The final over and Dhoni is in the crease. It comes down to one, one ball and five runs. One ball and five runs. What would the crowd do? Dhoni, 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 right? Why? Because he has done it in the past and they have faith that he'll do it again. 
although he has failed sometimes right the crowds still have that hope a hope to win but not so with us not so with us we'll cry why me god why me even though god has a perfect track record 10 on 10 he has never failed when elijah has suggested a face off between yahweh and baal it wasn't the first time so this was the first time at the red sea exodus chapter 14 verse 9 says this so the egyptians pursued them all the horses and chariots of pharaoh his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping the camping by the sea beside pai hahiroth before baal zephon so baal zephon is a god maritime god which who controls the weather of the seas which is considered they consider uh, him a favorable god who will you know uh, uh, provide con- favorable weather uh, during the trade times so if if the egyptians so the sorry the israelites were supposed to do one thing that was to chant yahweh yahweh you can do it you can do it but that's not what they did you know what they did instead of trusting god they were terrorized by the egyptian army and forgot his love that experiential love experiential knowledge seems to have little effect over them the experiential knowledge of seeing the 10 plagues over israel the over egyptian land hasn't hasn't gone down uh, a bit inside their hearts what's terrorizing you today friends your future your circumstance please remember the steadfast love of god he sent his only begotten son to die in our place so as we've talked about experiential knowledge epignosis the first hand experience how many of us have this first hand experience with god but that's not enough right as we have seen and in our own lives that's not enough we need to know something else can we go back to that slide the third part is who's granting us what we need for life and godliness we need to realize that god is the one who grants us what we need for life and godliness he knows that we are people made of flesh we need basic things so so he put the first things first life unless we have life we'll not pursue godliness right so he grants us life he grants us breath health sound mind food and then he comes to godliness he provides us everything we need for godliness spiritual health fellowship we need to add this to our experiential knowledge that he is the one who grants us this word grants us 
in the original text it says continually gives us continually keeps granting us it's not just one one day he has granted us but he continually keeps granting us what we need for life and what we need for godliness and now can we get that plenty of grace and peace not yet there's one final and most important factor the deciding factor so what we have learned we've just re- recap if we look at that slide according to his glory his excellent virtue his divine power originating from the experiential knowledge of the one who has called us who is granting us what we need for life and godliness through the experiential knowledge of god and our lord jesus christ and then we get to experience that grace and peace that is of that enormous scale through experiential knowledge of god and our lord jesus the lordship of jesus christ do you have first hand experience of god of the sovereignty of god do you have first hand experience of the lord lordship of jesus are you submissive to the headship of jesus do you come under the order of jesus you might be wondering where where we started and where we are now started with elijah and the people and here we are talking about first peter bounding peace and grace through leadership of jesus what's the link what's it got to be what what is it got to do with the spirit filled christian or just another christian or as we have titled the message spirit filled church or just another church you know remember the last last sunday sermon unless you listen how will you obey unless you obey how will you overcome how will you overcome how will you have hope unless you overcome yes you and i have been listening to god for quite a long time right we need to ask ourselves are we obeying we need to understand one important thing we gather together not just to become better individuals but a better church not just spirit filled individuals but spirit filled church we tend to take it differently we we think they are mutually exclusive but they are not they are they cannot exist independently we have to be spirit filled individuals and spirit filled church so obedience ask yourself tonight are we like the israelites who forgot their history who forgot that god has been providing them for them for life what we what they needed for life and god for godliness you know there is this tendency to forget in each of us and it's it's remarkable how the israelites keep forgetting in psalm 106 we see verse after verse you know it's it it, it 
all those who know the history all those who know the story you've seen how people rebel miracle after miracle how god has been providing and they keep forgetting that's recorded in chapter verse psalm chapter 106 verse 7 we've seen this they rebel by the sea by the red sea and verse 13 they soon forgot his works they did not wait for his counsel next verse chapter verse 21 says they forgot god the savior who had done great things in egypt verse 28 says this they joined themselves also to baal of peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead so israelites kept forgetting kept forgetting repeatedly god's love for them they keep forgetting you know if we do not obey as a church eventually this reality will catch up with us a godless generation is on the rise you know if we are not spirit filled church we are just another church as we have discussed a godless generation will arise from gtc who have no experience of god who take things for granted who don't submit to authority because too familiar with the authority when pastor says come early we don't obey when he says come to the fasting and prayer we don't obey I don't know if you remember or not approximately 6 months back during a fasting prayer on a third saturday that means open to all church it's not just a men's fasting prayer he said this we should start gathering by 8:30 am and start praying so that the children will grow up in that attitude of prayer so that the next generation will rise up to learn to pray and obey and to submit in our last wednesday sermon if you remember pastor vijay was talking about sarah calling abraham as lord which means adonai how about pastors and the messengers of god we look at galatians chapter 4 verse 14 and my trial which was in my flesh you did not despise or reject but you received me as an angel of god even as christ jesus how do we take the words that comes from the pulpit words from the pastor the message from the do we take it as it as it is as it is from the lord after that saturday i didn't find i i didn't find any of you at 8:30 here i didn't find any of those who were present there at the fasting prayer who said amen to that so amen is when you agree right 
So I asked Sammy, why are they not here? Didn't they hear what the pastor said? He said, bro, they have issues. They have families, etc. What excuse you and I have tonight for our disobedience? While we pile up our excuses, our dear brothers who stay 50 kilometers, 60 kilometers from the church, come before anybody sees and leave the last. Maybe we are producing many Marthas instead of Marys who sit at the Jesus' feet. A lot of church activity. But that can't be a substitute to sit at Jesus' feet. I'm sure you must be living an excellent personal lives. There's no doubt about that. But what about as a church? What excuse do you have, my friend? GTC needs revival, friends. You can't just keep praying and sending prayer requests to pastor, prayer request SMSs, and not turn up at the prayer and expect things to work out. Where is the reverence? Reverence and awe is missing. The awe of God, the fear of God is missing. What excuse do we have tonight? No wonder GDC kids, GSS kids are unable to pray for a minute. And one of, I was reading one of the books. It said, prayer is boring because you pray only for five minutes. So, and no wonder, the, the, the kids pray there for five minutes and they're gone. They don't want to be around the prayer team who's praying. They want to be around this, the happening place, the happening place with all the sounds and music. We need revival, friends. As a church, we need revival. You can't just keep sending requests, SMSs. What excuse do we have? Joel chapter 2 verse 12 says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and mourning. Verse 15 says, 15 and 16, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out of his chamber and the bride from his, her dressing room. There's no excuse for nobody. It says elders and the other version says aged. That means people who can't walk. Bring them also in. Gather the children, nursing infants. Other version says nursing infants, nursing at the breast who are just born. No excuse. And even the newlyweds. Another version says, let the bridegroom come out of the honeymoon chamber. No excuse. Verse 18 says, and when, when we come 
without excuses like that, then, then, what happens? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. Do we have any concern for this land, church? Any concern for this people around us, our nation, our city? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil and you will be satisfied with them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. He says, Grain and new wine and oil. Do you know Tamil Nadu has been declared as a drought, drought hit state and even Telangana. They have produced less than half of what they produced last year. 38% or 40%. Do we have any concern over our land? Unless we gather like that, without excuses, as the verse says, unless we consecrate the congregation, a church coming together without excuses, we will not see revival in our personal lives, we will not see revival in our churches. We will not see revival in the nation. Most importantly, we will be responsible for raising up a godless generation. Who will not know God? Where are the Hannahs and Susanna Wesleys of this generation? You know, you know the story, right? When she put on her apron over her head, nobody disturbed her. And that with ten kids. And we struggle keeping our two kids silent for a minute. That is because we don't believe. We don't believe, right? That's what it is. The choice is ours. It's in our hands. To be spiritual church or just another church? To be just another church, we don't have to do anything. Just come on time or, you know, just a little bit late, 10 or 15 minutes. Pastor screams from there. Anyway, we don't care. Doesn't matter. It goes from one year and goes out. We'll live happily, comfortable lives and, you know, with our cars and all that. Will be just another church. And GTC will be no longer. Because we will be raising up a godless generation. Remember pastor's words? Because we will have to be accountable. We will have to train the children. Unless they see as a church coming together and praying for people. Unless they see, how will they learn? They have been seeing us coming late, late entries. You know, the un- unbelievers come on time. I call, uh, uh, there's one of my uh, colleague who asked his friend to come to church. He came for the first time. I said, you be on time. Or I said, you be by 8.45. He was sharp here by 8.45. You know, the unbelieving people, I think they, they get a sense of that awe, as we were discussing. They seem to have that reverence, you know, coming towards this house of God. 
I was listening to Otto Kads in one of his messages. He says, this generation has become, has, has raised a generation. We are too familiar with God and we are so buddy-buddy with Jesus. Ah, he understands. He's Jesus, he understands, you know. The same people, if their best buddy is coming, what will they do? If they're, they're coming from far off, they'll be the first to receive them. They'll be the first to host them, whatever it is. They're there first. If buddy buddy, it's, where's buddy buddy? Nobody. Nobody, literally. Nobody and nobody. We've reduced, this generation has lost the reverence to God. And that, my friends, is concerning. If that doesn't concern us, nothing will. We will be just another church. Don't have to do one thing. To be spiritual church, we have to start obeying. Then comes that incredible peace that we were talking about. That that will be multiplied in our lives. That enormous peace. What do you want to pick, church? Do you want that enormous peace? Do you want to experience that? Aren't you tired of yourself? Unless we listen, how will we obey? Unless we obey, how will we overcome? You need to overcome something in your life. That short temper or that habit. Start obeying. The same theme is carried in First Peter chapter one verse two, and also same the uh, says the same thing. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, but that is also the end product, end result of something. But we were not go- going into that. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. For obedience. As we have heard in the past messages this year, out of 500 of people who have uh, seen Jesus after resurrection, only 120 obeyed. That's That's 24% of people. 120 obeyed and waited on God. Only they were spirit-filled because they have obeyed. It's your choice, friends. It's our choice. The nation needs revival. Our generation needs revival. Would you stand in the gap and intercede as as a consecrated congregation, as a sanctified congregation? The choice is ours. As Joel says, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Shall we take a moment, friends? Take a moment and think, 
and ask God, what is that stopping us? What is that stopping us from obeying God? If you need revival in your life, if you need to overcome something, if we need to be a church which is filled with spirit, we need to start obeying friends. Take a moment, friends. Take a moment and make that commitment to God. As I request Sister Elsa to come and pray, let's be in that attitude of introspection. Oh, Father, forgive us, Father. Forgive us, Lord. Eleven days into this new year, my God. We have heard over and over and over again, my God. We thank you, Lord, while we're here in your presence, Pastor James and Pastor Vijay, oh Lord, are having a revival in Bhutan, my God. We thank you for using those vessels there, my God. We thank you for the youth, over a thousand youth, my God. Out there, my God. We thank you for them. And here, Lord, our church, GTC, our founder, what we've heard over and over for the past eight years, my God. I pray this year, yes, Lord, let us be on time. Forgive us. Forgive me, my God. Forgive us for taking another Sunday, another Wednesday for granted, my God. Forgive us, my God, when we hear the word and we don't obey. Forgive us, forgive us, forgive us, my God. We do want to be a spirit-filled church, my God, not just another church, my but it takes obedience. It takes walking by faith. Your word says, if we are willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. I pray today, Father, as your servant, my God, brought the word, yes, he was nervous. But Lord, the word spoke, my God. It spoke to us. I pray, Jesus, help us, my God. Help us this Sunday to start walking by faith, to start walking in obedience, to harness and apply, to lead by example. Sanctify us by the truth, my God. Sanctify. Your word is the truth. And the truth will set us free, my God. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Let no iniquity have any dominion over us, my God. Jesus. Jesus, you took the sin. You took the transgression. You took the iniquity. You took it. You took it, my God. We do see, my God. We are in the last days, my God. Your coming is near, my God. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. But, Lord, you help us. 
You help us to walk upright and blameless before thee. You help us to lead by example. You help us, my God. Lord, we realize we cannot do this without you. We are nothing, absolutely nothing without you. Help us to stand in the gap. Help us to intercede. Give us that burden to cry out for unsaved loved ones, for the ones who work in secular jobs, who have positions as managers, who have positions as supervisors. I pray, Lord, that they will, their light will shine in that dark place, my God. For the ones who are in ministry, Father, I pray, we, Lord, will not take it lightly. Teach us. Teach us. Teach us. Many a time we may be misunderstood, my God. But Lord, we learn to cast all our cares, for you careth for us, my God. You said, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Place my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We thank you. We thank you, Father. Touch us today, Father, before we go home today, Father. One touch. One touch. To be made whole again. To be complete in you. To hear from you. To obey you, my God. To hear the word. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent and turn from their wicked ways, then I will answer your prayer and heal your land. And I will dwell with you. Lord, hear our cry today, Father. Hear us. Yes, Lord, teach us to be a Mary and not a Martha. We hear this over and over and over again. And help us, Father, to believe, to believe, to hope, to grow in faith. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the word. It will not come back void. It will accomplish what it was sent out to do. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you for our church. We thank you for the founder. We thank you for what is happening right now in Bhutan, my God. We thank you. We thank you for every member of the youth that's out there, my God, who have come, my God, to hear from God. And there's revival going on there right now. Right now as we're praying, as we're here, Father, we thank you. No height, no depth, no distance. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you for every brother, every sister, my God. And Lord, help us to be those willing and obedient servants. And no servant is greater than his master. We thank you, Lord. Have your way in our lives today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.